Hey, you are listening to the Grumpy Guy BJJ podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? Got to take care of a few things before we jump into this week's episode. First, our ramping isometrics for BJJ program. It is a 12-week program all laid out for you. It's going to help you build strength and cardio in the fastest, safest, and most convenient way possible. This is how James and I have been training for the past year, and we love it. So we put this program together so you can just follow along, and we are certain you will see and feel the benefits that we do. It's only 15 bucks. Just go to GrumpyGuyBJJ.com, click the drop-down menu in the upper right-hand corner, and you'll find it. Next, R3. Is this is our K2 D3 supplement. It is a combination combination of those two vitamins D3 and K2. These are two vitamins that James and I have been taking for a long time that really help us recover from hard training sessions. And for only 15 bucks with free shipping, you get a whole month supply. I was going to pull up some studies explaining the benefits of D3 and K2, but I'm not going to insult your intelligence and pretend to be a fucking scientist. I take it it helps me recover. That's it. So for 15 bucks, check it out. And last but certainly not least, we have partnered up with Dejitsu.com. They have a ton of awesome BJJ instructionals, and they have hooked us up with a discount code for our listeners. It's Grumpy10. So what you got to do is you go to Dejitsu.com, which is D-I-G-I-T-S-U.com. Find the instructionals you want, throw them in a shopping cart, in the little discount code box, you type in Grumpy10, which is just G-R-U-M-P-Y, and the number 10, one zero. That's it. No spaces. Boom. You get 10% off. You're up and running. They got a nice app you can download on your phone. That way you can take your instructions right to the gym with you, watch the technique, drill it. It's a pretty sweet setup. So once again, D-I-G-I-T-S-U.com, discount code Grumpy10, G-R-U-M-P-Y, one zero. Simple as that. To find all this stuff I just got done talking about, go to our website, grumpyguybjj.com. Click the drop-down menu in the upper right-hand corner. There, you'll subscribe to our newsletter for podcast updates. You'll find links for the Ramping ISOs program, the R3 Recovery Supplement, and then under the Programs and Products tab, you'll find a link to dejitsu.com. And let's be honest, if you guys can't figure out how to navigate a website by now, there's nothing I can do to help you. So quit fucking around. Check it out, train hard, and let's get into this week's episode. Two, boom, and boom. Okay, so. We're back. We're back. As I was saying, I told you to hit record because I got shit to say. <laughs> we're wasting some podcast material. So your fucking insidious plan worked. What's that? I'm going to have to get a one wheel. Why do you say this? Dude, it's so much fun. It is a lot of fun. Ridiculous Speaking of that, is it? Ridiculous fun. It's turned on right now, huh? It's just... No, it's plugged in. This is just plugged in. Oh, okay. I just, yeah. I just happened to see the light on. I just caught the... Yeah, I'm pretty... Just... I saw that too the other day and I hit the button and I'm pretty sure because I hit the thing to turn it off. So... Yeah. There we go. We'll see it flash. <coughs> right. So anyways, Rob's one wheel. So that you're having that much fun on it, huh? Dude, it is so it's, much fun. Dude, it's a fucking blast. I ride that thing every day to school to do go you drop really? Z off. Have yeah. you got brave enough to go pick him up with it yet? No, I do. Oh, oh, back and forth. Oh, totally. Yeah, I go with yeah, like yeah, the cars and the people and everybody's looking at me like because it's funny you can it's see their faces, yeah. man. Like they think they know what you're on. They think you're on yeah. a skateboard, and then they see double, you. You always get the double take. Yeah, like, what? Like, what is that thing? Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's funny though because the adults are too cool to ask. It's always the kids it's that are like, "Wow, that's really cool. What is that?" 
And, you know, I'm like, oh, it's a one wheel. But I told Kiela, like, I, not having surfed, I can't speak with any authority to it. But just having watched it and, and visualizing what it must feel like, like, you feel like you're a lazy ass longboarder, just like longboarding your way down the fucking street, man. It feels like surfing. Like, yeah, again, I, I've done some boogie boarding, so, like, I have some rough idea. But uh, I, it's, I've surfed. You know, I had one vacation in my life. I yeah. Costa Rica and I surfed and I surfed all week. That's my only experience, but it's pretty similar. There's times too, it'll behave and you can, it kind of feels like a snowboard. Right. It's a little different. Um, I don't, I didn't so have, I have any snowboard experience. I didn't have a ton of experience skateboarding as a kid. I mean, I fucked around on a skateboard as any kid does, but yeah, it doesn't uh, really feel like a skateboard. No, it's, it's more, it, it resembles more of a snowboard or a surfboard yeah. than, than a skateboard. Yeah, man. It's fun. It's funny I mean, shit, I'm, I'm like looking for reasons to go ride the damn thing. Yeah. Like, I'm going to grab Z and just go hit the go Riverfront cruise. Trail and go cruise around. Dude, like I said, I'd ride it all the way from my house on the Riverfront Trail to the gym. That's like eight miles, nine miles. Yeah. That thing's, yeah, it's sweet. And you get some exercise. You yeah. Know, it's definitely some exercise. It's not... Yeah. It's, it's, it's not nothing. It's not nothing. Yeah, it's yeah. it's fun, man. Yeah, you gotta. Yes. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Buy one, dude. We'll fucking be shredding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're fun. Uh-huh. So yeah, I was not. But I, I realized that when you teach it to people, uh, you, uh, at least for me, I had to go out there and just get on and off of it. Yep. Like I feel like you gotta teach people how to get on and off of it Confidence. before you teach them how to go on it. That's yeah. And well, that's how like every time I let somebody try it. That is the first thing I talk to him about. I'm like, right, right, right. Here's how you get but off. This you have him do it like that, like because that was yeah, the thing. Like Shiloh's a little scared like, of it because scared of it she had a bad experience with it. She whacked her shin. Yeah, it. and I remember like I didn't. That's why I didn't ride it because it's really intimidating to not feel confident getting off of that. Getting thing. on and off, yeah, that's yeah, good, that's a good call. And so like, so I went out there and, and was like, because you know when you brought it over. You know, we're all excited and everybody's trying to ride it and you're having fun on it. No one wants to sit there and watch you spend five minutes just practicing getting on and off of it. Right. And uh, But once I did that, my confidence level just went through the roof because now I'm like, oh, I can just jump. step right off this thing. Or, or you can just jump and let it tip. Yeah, or, yeah. Like, yeah. If you have to or shit's getting squirrely, yep. you can just jump off. Jump of off. Or, there is a little like that, that picking your heel up to yeah. deactivate it. That is... A, it's a natural movement, but it is, you have to kind of learn how to do it in that environment. Yeah, you, gotta, that, you gotta think about it. Yeah, yeah, and once you do it, like once you got that down, yeah. then it's a lot easier. So, but anyways, yeah, for future references, we're trying to recruit more people into the one wheel posse. We'll, uh, we'll be like that Macklemore fucking one the wheel. The mopeds. One wheel. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is, though, is like, I probably won't be riding mine. You'll get to hold on, hold on to mine until I'm thinking like fall. You know, mm. I shouldn't be riding it safely until then. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. You know, because <laughs> next time I go see the surgeon, I'm gonna ask him like if I should be able to snowboard in this winter or not. Yeah, yeah I gotta kind of gauge that. But so you'll have it for a while. But then you'll have to buy one come next spring. Yeah, you should have one. Yeah, we'll be sure. They have a little one called the Pint. I haven't seen. I haven't really looked. I remember you telling me they just came yeah. out with it. Yeah, that'd be a good Z size. That's an expensive Z toy, though. It is. Yeah. I think because I think I mean, the one wheel itself, that one that it's like the XR, it's got longer battery and shit. Fucking things like eighteen hundred bucks. Yeah. Oh, I know. And then the pint. That's why I didn't want to like it. <laughs> I know. 
It's, a, it's, it's one of those stupid fucking purchases that I'm glad I made. Like, yeah. I like usually a big purchase like that, a bigger purchase like that. I think about it. Like, how much am I really going to use it? And I, I had never been on one, and I had been fucking jonesing for one for like three or four years, man, because I'd see all these ski bones and tell you ride with them. And so many times I'd look them up online, because when I first saw them, they were just a Kickstarter thing. Right. They weren't in mass production at all yet. They were literally straight up fucking Kickstarter thing. Very few were made. And so I was like, eh. And I'd see them more and more. And then anytime I'd see one, I'd go talk to I'd go talk, talk to the dude about it. I'd be like asking him questions and shit. And finally, I was like, fuck it. I pulled the trigger. Yeah. It was a good move, man. It was, man. It was it's ridiculous, those, but it's a good move. It was one of those ridiculous toys that was is worth it. Yeah. But, I mean, honestly, dude, 1800 bucks for a ridiculously expensive toy is not stupid. It's not like you went out and bought a fucking motorcycle. True. Or a boat or something Some stupid. Jet, jet ski or something. Right, yeah. Like something you really will only use like three times a year. Yeah. And, but, uh, no, man. That thing's fun. I can totally see like just having one of those and using it for like for transportation. Yeah, just, cru- dude, just, you know, just cruising to town, grab a coffee or something. Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. It's, it's really it's cool, relaxing. Man. Yeah, it's kind of the, the fucking the future, man. It's like a cool uh, segue. Or those, isn't that what those yeah. things are? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, those things you look like a dork, like a fucking mall cop <laughs> on one of those things, you know? Paul Blart mm-hmm. cruising around on the goddamn segue. Exactly. Exactly. I remember when those things came out, they really tried to convince us that I was going to change the world. I don't know if you remember you don't that. Ever, yeah, you don't ever hear about them much anymore. No, yeah, they tried to really, like, that was going to change everything. And it was funny, you know what fucked them all up? Stairs. Like, they were really convinced that this was going to change, like, how people got around. It was going to get rid of, like, people were going to be using Segways, because it was like a, you know, not quite a car, and, you know, more efficient, you know what I mean? Like, they were really, I, I don't know why I remember this, but, like, that was a big fucking deal when it came out. And I remember when it came out, everyone was like, wait a minute. What? This is what you guys have been hyping us up about? Is this fucking? Have you thing? ever have you ridden one? No, I've never ridden yeah, one. Neither, I gotta imagine it's like the same principles. Yeah, it's, it's the same damn thing. It's like the hoverboard. It's just this like you just you know it wants to balance and you just tilt in a direction and it fucking goes. So, yeah, but uh, it's pretty sweet on a on a one wheel. <laughs> funny shit, dude. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah, that's your. Uh, I'm gonna have to get one. We'll be shredding. Fuck yeah, some, be pumped. Some one wheel next summer when you're yeah. back into it. But uh, so, anyways, there you go. That was my random thing that I had glad, to tell you. I'm glad my fucking plan worked. Yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. No, nah, no, I didn't want to like it, but it's. Uh, I could tell you were a little resistant. Well, the other thing too is like I'm gonna have to get two of them because me and Kiele, she'll like it. I can tell her. Has she been on it much? No, she's. I can tell she's like. Ah, I'm gonna like it. I don't want to get on it. <laughs> <laughs> So, she's not been, been uh, she hasn't jumped on it, but I'm going to make her do it here. Much as she surfed, dude, she would dig that. I, I would have to assume. I think so. I think that's that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, dude, she's going to dig the crap out of this thing. Mm-hmm. So give her her little surf, surfing Jones fix thing. So, we're getting her mountain bike again, too. That's good. So, yeah, she doesn't have a bike for her. It was one of those things, we're moving to Hawaii, and so we sold her bike. And then we ended up not moving to Hawaii and uh, just... How many years ago was the big That was Hawaii, like two years ago. Hawaii hopes. A little over two years ago, two and a half years ago. Was it? Yeah. Yep. I was convinced, man. We had so much fun 
I love Kauai, dude. My, my, the goal is still to get back there at some point. Like, fucking Hawaii is awesome. Never been. No. Yeah. So you don't go. Because then, nah, Colorado's good. Yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah, that's why I'm still here. You, If you were, like, living in Michigan, if we were doing this fucking podcast in Michigan, <laughs> I'd be like, don't go, dude. I'll never see you again. <laughs> poor poor people in Michigan. I always talk shit about it. Where are you going back? I'm heading tomorrow. back to leaving tomorrow. Yeah, by the time this episode comes out, I'll be back in Michigan with the fam. Yeah. Almost ready to come back to Colorado. Nice, man. Well, you said it's been a few years. Dude, yeah, man. I think the last time I went back was last knee surgery. <clears throat> But same thing. Huh. Yeah, had a little time off work. Figured I should go see the rents. Yeah. So cruise down back. So back in like 2015, somewhere in there. Nice, November, man. So same thing. Another knee surgery. Got the time off. Probably. Like a trip. Yeah. Go hang out with the parents. Yeah. You stay, stay in the house. Stay, stay right at home. the parents' house. Yeah. Won't I, I don't think I'll be staying in my old bedroom. I think my old, I think they did something else in my old bedroom. I'll be staying in the like. Your parents are still in the house you grew oh, up. Oh yeah. At? Well, well, like the second it, one. Okay. Yeah. We, we first. I was. I, I was born in Flint and lived in Flint until I was, I don't know, ten. That's right. Something. Yeah. And then we moved out to Flushing, which is suburbs of Flint. Yeah, but that was. Since then, man, they've been in that fucking house. It's weird <laughs> going back, dude. I bet, it's, dude. It's like a time warp, man. It fucks yeah. you up. I bet. Yeah. Every once in a while, like I was. Uh, I mean, it's been a few years, but. Um, I was born in Ardmore, Oklahoma, which is a tiny little town in between Oklahoma City and Dallas. And like, so my parents moved around a bunch, but my grandparents lived in Ardmore. And so that was kind of like, you know, as a kid, like that, that one place that, you know, if I think about like, oh, as a kid growing up, I think about like Ardmore because that was like the one constant, like we were always moving, but like, you know, my grandparents were there. They had a 300 acre Black Angus ranch. Holy shit. And so, I don't know if they were, I think it used to be a Black Angus ranch, and anyways, it was, uh, but yeah, 300 acres, that was my backyard, that was fucking great, they are like, stay on the property, it's like, I'll try, oh, <laughs> that had like fucking fishing ponds, and dude, it was huge, it was awesome, man, think about that, like, that's pretty you know? cool for a kid, yeah, yeah, I would just grab my BB gun, and uh, I'm looking Take at off. Z, man, it's like Z's age, you know, BB gun, had my little adventure kit. I had a canteen and a little, like, compass thing and a BB gun. And we had a couple ranch dogs. dogs and shit. We'd go out. Yeah, man. Fucking shooting turtles. That's what I do. We'd go out. We'd shoot snapping turtles that come out at the at the fishing lakes. And when they come up for air, pop, see if you can hit their fucking heads. <laughs> like whack-a-mole. Yeah, dude. You know you got it because you see the shell float up and then float down. And, uh, dude, snapping turtles are Nasty. They are nasty. And uh, they try and eat your fucking fish. You'd be fishing, and so then you'd have the little thing that you'd hold the fish on, the little uh, fishing line that, uh, near the shore, and you'd have the fish in the water. Man, you'd look over, and some fucking turtle be over there, like, trying to munch your fish. <laughs> like, dude. So, anyways, yeah, that was our, uh, um, our fucking, my adventures as a kid. But same thing, man. I'd, it's been years since I've been back, but uh, whenever I go back to Ardmore... It's that same time warp feeling. It's weird. Weird, it's man. Super weird, man. So it's, it's like almost disorienting. Mm-hmm. It, it really is, just because it feels like a lifetime ago. Yeah. Which it was. Well, it's like the same. It's like multiple people are trying to occupy the same brain at the same time. Yeah. Because you were different people, man. The person that you were as a teenager is not who you were in your twenties. Is not who you are today. But all of those people have experiences and and 
thoughts and what in that environment. And so you go into that environment and you're literally all like all different these selves. different people. Yeah, yeah. their memories are yeah. trying to occupy your brain at the same time. And it yeah, is. And my brain has a split because, you know, that was where I was born and raised. And then I moved out to Colorado first time back in 99, did that ski bum thing, you know, mm-hmm. like I've talked about before. Then I moved back and ended up living in Flint. I bought a house in Flint. And so I got these sections, you know, and, and so I got different robs from different time, time periods. Yeah. And I go back there and you're right and they all get kind of mushed together in my brain. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny, man. That's weird. That is weird. That is interesting, though, how you're just mentioning how, like, the moving, like, the different time periods... Because I, I think the same thing. Like, I, 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 you know, had different adventures in different yep. areas. And I even refer to them as, like, previous lives. And, uh, and but, man, what, I, you know, I'll never know what it's like to have been born and raised and grow up in the same town, right? Can you imagine spending 40 years in the same town? Like, does it all just blur together? I don't know. Like, do you have those same, like, sectionalities of your life that you think about where you're, like... I yeah. think if you if you like do a big move, you know, if you move from one house to the next, yeah, it'd be something something similar. that would kind of like segment it for you, but like still, a chapter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be something similar, but still, if you're like, you know, spent the last, you grew up, born, raised in the same house, and then moved out in your early twenties and got a house, and you lived in that house for the last twenty years, and it's been in the same town, in the same neighborhood. Like, that's a different life, man. That's something but, I, yeah, that I, I'll never more, know what that's like. No, but that was more common for our parents' generation than ours. You know, it's definitely more common for our people our age to have yeah. pick up and move to somewhere. Man, you'd be surprised. It's interesting. I think it depends on where you're at. Because, like, how many of these fucking dead-end towns do you still come across people that are like, why the fuck are you here? What are you doing here? They just don't know any different. They don't know any different. Yeah. Like, you know, it's at some point you have to... Per, it depends on the person, It too. does. And, and the environment. They, like, if you see people leaving, then, you know, it's like, I can leave, too. Like, and, or, or if your parents moved or whatever. Like, for me, that was the thing. Like, I, I grew up and it's like, oh, you can just leave. Circumstances change. You want to do something different? You just fucking move. Okay, cool. That's awesome. Kind of like the four-minute mile. Yeah, yeah. Like you see someone do it, but yeah, you grow up and everyone's just kind of stuck in the same uh, thing. But yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, man. Different people's backgrounds, and again, it influences how they see the world. Yep. Influences how they the decisions they make. So it influences so much on how you see the world. Yeah, yeah. Traveling and experiencing different things is uh, is super important. I think. It is. I don't know. Gives you different views. Yeah. Have you been out of the country? No. I mean, I've been to Mexico half a dozen times. I've been to the Cayman Islands. Yeah. I've been to Canada a bunch. That doesn't really count. Canada's yeah. like kind of halfway been, out. Been to Costa, Costa Rica. Oh, right on. But I haven't been to Europe. <clears throat> Want to. Yeah. It's uh. Needed it. Even like Mexico has got to be something. You just, you're just dropped in an area where it's like, okay, this is fucking different. Like the words on the on the road sign, everything's different. You know, everybody's speaking different. I always like the stark contrast. Like when you go on a vacation like that, you know, you stay in a resort, and then you venture off the resort. Mm. Shit changes drastically. Right. Yeah. Because you get the skewed view of 
Mexico, quote unquote, and you're staying in this all inclusive resort. Right. <laughs> but then you wander two blocks off two blocks off and you're like, Oh, this is a different Mexico. Yeah. There one time we went uh yeah, we've done it a few different ways. Uh, but we started like renting a car because we'd stay in these condos instead of these resorts. And so you still are kind of like living, like you're out, you got to go grocery shopping, stop yeah. at the condo and shit. So you're out in like the normal people. Yeah, yeah. Land. That's the way to do it. That, and that's, that's, yeah, that's definitely a different vacation. Yeah. I like that. I like doing that better. Gives you a little sense of. Yeah. All other that's traveling. Stuff, like yeah. vacation is different than traveling. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, I mean, you can travel for a vacation, but like if you're, like if someone tells me like they're, they want to go travel, it's like, okay, you want to go experience. You want to go like live. Like Henry Rollins was talking about, you know, he wants to go fucking get in their heads and see, like, okay, what is it like to be day in the life, day in the life of, right? Yeah, and that's uh, that's where that's I think the important one, like going to some all inclusive resort where, yeah, you, the whole time you're just surrounded by basically you never left, you know, your 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 country. It's just a bunch of people trying to make it as close to your country and, and your same experience at home as possible. Uh, is not quite the same thing, but yeah, that's, I mean, the little traveling I did was for the, my modeling gig, but I got to spend, I was, I was like in two months in Milan and uh, a month in Athens and, but it was the same thing, man. It was, uh, you weren't in a resort. Like we were living in a model's apartment, which was shithole. It, yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah, we were not the nicest part of the city and yeah, it was, you, you were living the a day in the life man so that's where i learned how to haggle for weed in parks like half the italian i still speak is for haggling for weed <laughs> so i know die die che poco means come on it's small because <clears throat> you don't go in the parks and say like i want an eighth and then they go oh it's 60 bucks or whatever you go i got you know however many hundred thousand lire or whatever it was because they're, they're you know it's like a fucking 150,000 literally for a hundred dollars or something when I was over there. So you're buying like $50,000 worth of weed <laughs> and it's like two grams, you know, or whatever. But, uh, you know, you tell them how much you have and then they pull out their weed and then they're like, they give you what they think is worth that money. So you're fucking literally haggling with these motherfuckers in the park, uh, for fucking weed. But, um, yeah. Uh, Dove Acindino means where's the lighter. It's <laughs> <laughs> so hilarious. Like, the, the Italian you know is just from buying weed. Haggling weed, man. Haggling weed. That is fucking hilarious. Yeah, I had a few other phrases down. but uh, Most people learn like how to ask where the bathroom is. How much does this cost? Yeah. Do you speak English? You know, I had I had some other phrases down when I was there. <laughs> but you didn't remember them. I didn't remember these them. ones. These stuck. stuck. In your head. I didn't use them as often. <laughs> no, man, we had a route. Dude. We had our park. Because I mean, as a model, your job is basically you're just a professional address finder. And this was before the days of Google Maps. So I'm like, you know, you would call in uh, in the morning. And the agency would be like, yeah, we got some jobs for you. Come in. And so you'd go in or they'd give you the address over the phone. But usually we'd go into the, the office, see if we could post some food or some shit. And uh, 
you know, then you go in and they tell you, yeah, you got to be here at this time and here at this time. And, and so great. And then you got to figure out a way to navigate there. And again, like this is, we're looking at maps of a fucking Milan, brother, like an ancient medieval city. And we're, we're, you know, trying to figure out how to get from point A to point B using uh, subway passes that we've used 30 times before. And, and cause you could just keep stamping them. It worked on the honor system, which worked really well for Americans who had no honor. <laughs> so we would just keep fucking reusing the same stamps. And uh, we had a whole little system down, man. It was, it was crazy. A little group of American boys running around Milan. And then you'd get there. You'd hurry up and get there. And there'd be a room full of motherfuckers. And you'd just be sitting there waiting. And that's when I like, smoked my went through my cigarette smoking phase. You're just sitting there. No one else to like, do. God damn it. All right. Yeah. And that's why I was like, roll a cigarette and smoke. It just gives you something else to do. And you got to go to the next address. And then you figure out where the party is that night. And like, then you wake up the next morning and you do it the next Do it all, do over, it all again. over again, man. So every once in a while I was interrupted by work where you'd actually have to go take pictures. But that was, it was more just being a professional address finder. That's what you did. And hanging out. And hanging out, man. Hanging out. So, but it was, again, man, getting the experience. You're walking all over that fucking city, you know, seeing areas, talking to people. Hey, man, where's this place? And, you know, getting hungry, having to go into shops and haggle for fucking paninis with angry old ladies who didn't want to make them hot. It's <laughs> like, no, Caldo. It's like, fucking, what is it? It's bono cozy. That's what she said. We were like, because Caldo is hot. We are like, uh, you know, Caldo? And there she's like, no, Caldo, it's bono così. He's like, oh, shit, all right, man, we'll take our fucking sandwiches, lady. <laughs> Go. We just wanted you to heat it up. Yeah, we just wanted to heat them up, man. Like, <laughs> goddamn. She was angry at us over it. But, uh, oh, God, dude. Those are, yeah, fun times. But um, traveling and experiencing different shit. Cause it gives you a different perspective. You're like, oh, it's not all just fucking cheeseburgers and... Dude, I, I had it in my head pretty early on in my life that I was not going to live my whole life in that same town. Yeah. Like, and I don't know what, like, you know, spurred that well little fire under my ass, but it was, I remember coming about the age 16, 17, and I'm like, dude, I've, I'm, I'm moving the fuck out of here. One way or another, somehow or another, I'll find a way to move the fuck out of here. And the first time I moved out was Colorado. Yeah. Good choice. <laughs> so it's, yeah, but it's, I guess, I mean, being that it came to me so early, and I don't know why, like, I'm not sure why more people don't think like that. Like, wanting to just get the fuck out of your own hometown. Yeah, you know, on some level, it's, uh, it, it makes more sense to not think that way, right? Because, like, from an evolutionary standpoint, the people who kept, had the wanderlust, and kept, you know, wandering over the next horizon to see what was there, usually didn't come back. That is true. So, like, having the instinct to just be happy with where you're at, and I don't, I don't even know if happy is the right word, but just, okay. yeah, just, yeah, to not, to not be uncomfortable enough to want to leave. I think that's probably a better description. I think that kind of sums up the way most people feel. They're not happy, they're not content, they're just not uncomfortable enough to take action and do something. And so, you know, then that would keep you from wandering off. So it's like people stirring up, you know, we, we look around and we wonder like, dude, why don't more people get outraged when, when people 
uh, you know, fucking act up or, or I, don't, I don't know, like people in power don't fucking act the way that they should or, or uh, just, you know, what it, it's the fucking troublemakers in society. Like there's fewer of us than there are the regular people. Would you consider us troublemakers? Fuck yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. Dude, you and I would both, you would tell your boss to fuck off under the right circumstances. Yeah. For sure. If the situation arose. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of people who wouldn't. They would not rock the boat. Like to them, the idea of telling their boss to fuck off, rocking the boat, losing their job, all the stuff that comes along with that is just terrifying to them. Terrifying. And they, it, they will do anything to avoid rocking the boat and causing problems. And it's just, and if you get, if you, but that's how fucking tyrants get into power. You know what I mean? It's just, it is what, how shit happens, man. But and then the people that fucking stir the pot, you know, we're definitely fewer and far between. But again, if you think about it, we're the ones who usually ended up with a fucking getting clubbed in the back of the head <laughs> when we were sleeping. You know what I mean? Like, God damn it. That dude's just always fucking complaining about shit and thinking we can do things better and thinks that fucking George over there isn't doing as good a job as he should. And man, you know how hard it's going to be to get rid of George? Fuck, it's just going to be easier to club that motherfucker in the back of the head. Just like, <laughs> fuck up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but man, that's why though, the heroes, the people that, that fucking think that way, like they're the ones that change things. They're the ones that fucking rewrite history. And that's why stories and fucking, you know, poems and heroic fucking tales are told about them. So yeah, I'm halfway through the Iliad right now. Yes. Speaking of. Halfway through, I have, yeah, I just started, well, I'm not quite halfway through. I'm finishing up book 11 and there's 24 books in the. Entirety of it. Yeah. So just about halfway through. Nice. It's like the second or third part of battle. Yeah. Yeah. So where is, uh, are they still, because it's funny, uh, like Diomed, is he still getting after He got it? hit in the foot. Okay. I'm at the part where he went in, was fucking shit up, some bitch ass dude who pulled back a bow and like kind of accidentally let it, like you're just kind of a fucking punk. Yeah. Hit him in the foot and you went and fucking chopped that dude's head off. And drug him off, but then he had to, they had to come, Odysseus had to come yank the arrow out of his foot, and throw him in the chariot, take him back to the, yeah, take him back to the ships, so he could get some medical attention. Yeah. And that's about where I left off this Okay, morning. nice, yeah. Roughly. Yeah, it's interesting to kind of go through there, one hero step up, and yep. then another hero step up. Yeah, because before that, Agamemnon was just in there fucking wrecking shop. Yeah. And then he got... <laughs> He got hit by something, like in the shoulder or the arm or something. Yeah. He had to, so he had to go back to the ship. <laughs> Dude, you're trying, you're trying to imagine this. Like, what the fuck is this? Like, what is going on here? And, you know, I, I, I keep trying to put myself, you know, back in this time and this battle and shit. And, you know, there's a lot of ways that, like, I could see this. I could see myself doing it. But then I started thinking, man, like, these had to be some dirty, stinky motherfuckers, man. Like, I like taking a shower every day, a couple times a day. And man, these guys are out there just fucking smashing each other. And they're fucking living in the desert or, you know, just dusty, nasty. They might get to rinse off in the ocean, but there wasn't no nice warm shower to go to. No. No, no, no. So my bitch ass thinking, like, man, that would have really sucked. So I remember when I worked at Halliburton, I'd have to, there'd be times I'd go like five or six days without a shower. We'd just be out on a job, sleeping in the truck, and just rinse and repeat. 
And literally, I'd go and be all day working, swinging sledgehammers, just stinky, fucking nasty. And I hated it. But you become accustomed to it. Right. But that was only like five or six days without a shower. Yeah. Man, I don't know. The, the Greeks were funny, man. They were, they were kind of obsessed with cleanliness. And I mean, in the where they were at that day and time, I mean, they were being clean yeah. by their standards. Yeah. So. You know what's funny? I need to look at like I've never figured out what do they mean by anointed with oil. Cause they talk about that shit all the time, and it's like I don't know. Like I, I it's so funny. It's, I got it's my bro science uh, assignment for next time. I'm gonna look it up. Like what the fuck exactly? Because they literally just like putting olive oil, oil, olive oil in their fucking hair and like rubbing it on them. Is that literally what's going on here? But maybe. maybe. But, uh, yeah, they fucking did that shit all the time. Like, to rub themselves down with oil, man. So, get naked, get oiled up, wrestle. They were really bored. I don't know if they were bored. I, you know, I think a lot of it. Because I, I was thinking about that, too. Because you hear, I mean, they don't touch on it. They haven't at this point in the Iliad uh, touched on, you know, any of the gay shit they used to do. You know, a lot of the Greeks and Romans. But I, I, I tend to think it was because they had so much power and that was just almost like the next taboo thing. You know what I mean? Because they could just ransack cities, steal, right. steal bitches, have harems of them. And they're just like bored. Like, oh, this is fucking easy. All I got to do is kill that dude and I can take his wife. Then I can kill that dude and take his wife. And now I got two. Well, let's go kill the next guy. You know what I mean? Like, you get a little junk with power. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's where it came from. Who knows? Who knows, man? Different time. It was a different time, it was man. A different totally time. different time. But uh, yeah, I'm glad you're reading it, man. It's I really, a, dude, I'm really digging it. Yeah. I, like I, I'll see how I. I plan on finishing it while I'm on this trip back to Michigan. I should have enough time because I'll have three hours on the plane, and I'm just gonna take a bunch of fucking kratom yeah. and just read the shit out of that book. For three hours. <laughs> you know, and so I got that there and back, and why I'm there. Yeah. Dude, I'm even thinking it might. I might finish it early in the trip and I'll just order Odyssey. the Odyssey and yes. just have it sent to my parents' house. Yeah, I just finished the Odyssey uh, last week. So, yeah, dude, that book's so fucking great. It's it's hilarious, man. So, yeah, the... Yeah, anyways. Anyways. Good. I know people forget sick of listening to us talk about that shit. Probably. Man, it shouldn't. These are the classics. Everybody used to read this shit. And I still think... And, like, not just... I mean, you said you read it, but... We've touched on it before, man. There's a difference between reading it and, and being because it was an assignment, it, right. and it's like actually reading it and like, yeah. You know, that's another thing I was thinking about. I was I was trying to remember how my 13 year old brain was processing this shit as my history teacher was making us read it. Because I remember we read them both. It was in seventh or eighth grade we read it. I mean, we didn't have to sit down and read the book in its entirety. I, I can't remember, he would split it up and assign yeah. chapters or books to, yeah. you know, different groups of kids and this and that. But dude, like, it seems like I remember, and I remember him having a lot of discussions about it. Like, what did we get from it? And he's like, well, this is, you know, what they meant, blah, blah, blah. But I don't remember fucking valuing that at all at that age. I remember totally just doing it like it was an assignment. Just doing it to get through. Yeah. Like, did I get an A? Like, not trying to extract anything from it. So yeah, didn't sell it properly because you told your thirteen-year-old brain this is the hero's handbook, brother. 
We're gonna learn how to be a hero this semester. This is how the fucking Greeks thought about it. So, here we go. Yeah, maybe that would have been a better way. There's so much better ways to present this stuff. Like, I, I wasn't into it until I really realized what it was. It's like, oh, wait a minute. This is like, this is codified knowledge. Like, this is not just a story. Like, this is, this is these people speaking through time to me relating these are the these are the 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 things that we found to be valuable the things that we found to not work you know like there's there's uh and when you read it with that understanding instead of just like oh some fucking stupid old dusty story you're like oh okay there's like relevant shit for me in here so it's like all those old fucking books, man. It's like, you know, the Bible's the same way. I mean, you know, people just read it and it's like, they're reading it because they think it's a story rather than like, oh, there's like, you know, Lessons. codified knowledge in here that if I apply myself to, I can learn and, you know, get smarter. It's like, you always look at shit like that, um, like watching videos and stuff. Like I always envision the uh, Neo on the Matrix, like... <laughs> plugging it in and it's like because that's it's crazy it's like you can read it or watch it and it's like it does literally like your brain it's in there it's like cool now I have something new I got this new fucking program that I can run and uh, to, to help me think better or to help me fucking do jujitsu better whatever it is speaking of that so <laughs> so I, I, I usually read for like a half hour every morning yeah and so I was and the way my morning worked out today, like I got done reading and not too long after I got done reading, I was leaving to come over here. And so I'm like fresh in the Iliad frame of mind, you know, thinking of warriors and battling yes. and shit, right? Just where my mind's at. And I was pulling out of my neighborhood and there's a house just a few doors down from me. It's a nice uh, older Mexican couple. I don't, you don't really know them, but I've had some yeah. surface level conversations with them. Yeah. Real nice people. But they have this. I don't know if it's their daughter or granddaughter or grandson. It's some sort of like transgender thing to try not to be rude, but that's just what it is. It looks like I'm pretty, I'm nine, 99.9% .9 sure it was a dude that's now a chick. And I'm pretty sure it's their kid. And I see her there every once in a while. And it just, it dude, like, I like short circuited, you know? So I'm in like this warrior, like, yeah, like fucking. He had pulled that arrow out of his foot and he's still ready to fuck shit up. And then then just thinking like, man, that was so cool. And then I drive by this transgender person. I'm like, man, they were not out there swinging swords at each other. This per they probably not. It just it was such a. It didn't compute. It was a know? contrast. It was such a contrast. It was such a contrast. It definitely short circuited me and snapped me back into the year 2019. Yes. Yep. Here we are. Here we are. Here we are. I mean, those people existed back then, too. I mean, that's the thing. So, did you... I mean, that's... But, uh... They probably got slayed pretty fucking fast. Man, you know, they didn't... I don't know how to, like, put it. It wasn't... It wasn't a thing. You know what I mean? Like, it was le like... In a lot of ways, it was just... It just wasn't a thing. Like, we've made it a thing today. That is true. You know? Like, it's it was just... just oh, whatever. It's just a person. Just a person. And this is just how he is. And now we're just going to fucking treat him, you know, based on how he acts. If he's going to act like a effeminate little bitch, we're going to treat him like an effeminate little bitch. I'm not treating him like an effeminate little bitch because he's a transgender person and I right. hate transgender people. It's because, well, that's how you're acting, man. And so now that's how I'm going to treat you. 
And, uh, you know, again, I, I, I'm sure that, that that's not true across the board. I just, I feel just in my reading of things that, that, you know, having, you know, fucking dudes that were very feminine was, it's always existed. it was a common thing. Yeah. Not a con, not, it's always existed. It wasn't an uncommon thing. And, you know, it just, it just is what it is. You know what? You didn't go ask him to fucking be your right hand man. Cause remember, right hand man came from those battles because the dude on the right, his shield protected you. Right. His, his left arm was protected you. And so that's where the right hand man came from. You wanted your right hand man to be fucking the best. Cause if he wasn't and he broke ranks and ran, you were exposed. So, you know, you didn't ask effeminate little bitch to be your right hand man it had nothing to do with him you know what I mean it was just like you you treat people based on how they act and if you're gonna act like an asshole you're gonna get treated, you're like, treated an like an asshole and I, I think that's one of the things today like it's like man I don't care if you're gonna be but if, if you're gonna be a flaming fucking transgender you know like just cool man great but doesn't give you right to be an asshole. But but it's like what but now I'm like you know me reacting to you acting that way is why would you act that way? It's like a chick who wears like low cut shit and is like why are you looking at my boobs? You know it's like come on, come on. you know what you're doing like you know why why are you being flaming? You don't have to be flaming. You don't have to be so overt about it. Trying to get attention. Yeah, why, exactly. There's something there where you're like no, you want to, people to know who you are. And you want to attract some attention, and you have to know that some of that attention is not going to necessarily always be uh, positive. But you can't like, you, you, fucking be an adult about it, man. So you can't, anyways. Yeah, yeah. fucking people. I I was gonna bring that up real. You came in guns are blazing. I was gonna bring that up right away and send this fucking podcast right down the drain. Yes, talking about transgender shit, but. Well, we can, I waited until 40 minutes in. Dude, so. we can segue into some fucking social justice warrior nonsense. <laughs> no, let's not yet. Not yet. We'll, no? Let's still talk about it. We'll wait. Because I, I, I'm pumped on two things. You know, I'm, headed, I'm headed back home to see my mom and dad. Yes. Well, I see a bunch of different family members. But more specifically my mom and dad. Man, I love them. Can't wait to see them. But I'm taking my dad to go play some disc golf. Yeah. He hasn't played yet. And I actually, I jumped on Amazon yesterday and ordered a, like three discs and a carrying bag for him. Had it sent to the fucking house. Cool. So I don't have to take mine. Yeah. And so I'm pumped to go take him play some disc golf. Oh, that'll be fun, man. Yeah. yeah, people usually do. It's one of those things that when they, when you first tell them, they're always like, ah. It seems, it, yeah, like just saying it seems dumb. Seems dumb. But once you go play, you're like, oh, this is Fucking cool! Like just, just it's yeah. relaxed and just come out here and throw this frisbee around. Like, yeah. yeah, there is something that's funny. Like we are born to throw shit. Mm-hmm. It's like there's something really weirdly satisfying about throwing things and hitting something like trying yeah, to get, get something. It into yeah, something. Yeah, aiming at it. Yeah. So and then you're just walking around enjoying the sun. I mean, yeah, it's, it's been a while since we've sung the praises of disc golf. Yep. But uh, now it's back. I, now I, it's back. I'm more functional. That's I'm, right. I'm, yeah, we got out for a game the other day. I'm allowed to walk off road. Yeah, Kelly, there was a moment where I like tripped on a fucking hidden little stump and almost fucking fell over. <laughs> and I realized like, oh God, dude, I hope this doesn't happen to Rob. Uh, and I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to jinx it. And we're like, you know, how I was being around. When I'm walking off road like that, like I'm super mindful where I'm stepping. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm way more vigilant about paying attention to where I'm going and what I'm doing. Yeah. 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 It would, because it wouldn't take much for me to step in a bigger hole than I was anticipating and 
my fucking leg hyperextend or twist the wrong way. Yeah. Whew, they suck. Yeah. But anyways, so, so yeah, I'm pumped to take them. And the other thing I'm pumped about is uh, I'm going to teach him some ramping isometrics. Cool. Because, you know, he's into working out, trying to be healthy and whatnot. And I'm pretty sure he's not familiar at all with yielding or ramping isometrics. So I'm going to drop that knowledge. I'm Good, gonna, man. I think I'll convert him. I, I'm speculating he'll dig it. Nice. We'll see. No, I th- yeah, that's, uh, I'm sure he will. Just Maybe. get him to stick with it. Yeah. But, uh, um, yeah, that'll be cool, man. Yep. Good for you. So those two things I'm pretty pumped about. Yeah. But, I'm, I'm pumped for you, man. That's cool. <laughs> you get to go back and share that shit with your dad. Yep. Oh, sorry. That's, uh, it's cool that he's up for it, you know? Like, that's, uh, sometimes people get older and they're just like, fuck off. I don't want anything new. But your dad sounds pretty... He's like, kind of like open that. Open to... Nah, he's kind of an old grumpy fucker, but not too bad. Well, you got him like doing stretching. <laughs> you, got, you know what I mean? It's funny. It's just enough. Like, uh, he's he's flexible enough still in his uh, old age to... Try new shit. To try new shit. So, that's cool. Glad but yeah, he's talking me into helping him paint his barn while I'm back home. Okay. Because there'll be, you know, days during the week where, you know, he'll be at work. So I told him, I was like, you know, give me some shit to do because I'm going to be fucking bored all day. He's like, well, funny that you ask. Funny that you ask. I'll have some paint for the barn when you get here. Nice. So <laughs> I was like, God damn it. I was like, I've been, I'm painting, painting all week at my house. And then I'm going to go home and paint my dad's barn. And then I'm come back and fucking finish painting, painting my house. house. Yeah. I'm going to be a paint motherfucker. Yeah, you are. Two months. Now you're going to know why you don't want to be a painter. <laughs> That's another thing I was going to talk about. This would be semi-offensive, but I definitely understand why... A good majority of people that paint houses for a living are raging alcoholics. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm overgeneralizing. Yeah, that's not painting with a broad brush or anything. I know that may be a little overgeneralization, but I'm not making it up. Just, you'll see. Now that I say, now that I bring that to light, like, oh, there are a lot of painters alcoholics, you'll see it. Okay. But I can see why now. Yeah. That is some tedious fucking work, man. It is tedious. It's just, it's not terribly difficult, but it's just time consuming and just, you just got to stay on task. Yep. Or else you never get the fucking thing done. Yeah. Yeah. I had a short stint with a painting company at one point. I told you I was, did the trim. That's the grunt work. Get in there, tape it up, trim. And uh, yeah, it was just, it was tedious. First thing that came along besides that, I was like, yep, I'll take that. <laughs> and it was just... Uh, it is. It's it's uh, it's interesting. It takes got to just get in your zone, man. Yeah, and you start getting in a groove though, and you, you get better at it. You because that's what I'm doing right now. I'm just doing yeah. the trim on the exterior of my house, so everything I'm doing is just the trimming in. Yeah. I mean, there's some you know wider parts of trim that are kind of bigger brush strokes, but besides that, man, it's all these little nooks and fucking crannies and corners and just that over and over and over again. Huh. But you get pretty good if you know, staying within the lines. Yeah. I think my coloring practice over the past month and a half has been good practice. Huh. I'm pretty good at coloring in the lines in my colored pencils. Paintbrush See? is just a little different. It's all been leading to this moment, dude. It has been. And it's gonna culminate in you painting your dad's barn. <laughs> your whole life has been leading up <laughs> to this moment. To this moment, dude. <laughs> You're about to realize uh, one of those defining moments, and then you'll be able to move on. 
can't wait to move on past this. <laughs> but I still get the task is large at my house because I'm doing the trim and I am like the my whole house does need to be painted. Yeah. I don't know if I'm gonna tackle that before I head back to work, but I'm contemplating it. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. I'd get one of those fucking sprayers, man. You know, I thought about that, man, but it, that becomes a whole fucking deal. Because, you, know, you know, I've talked to a couple people and looked into it a little bit. Um, so, first, you got to rent a sprayer. Because you want to, you want like a professional grade. You don't want some bullshit. Because it just makes your life more difficult. Yeah. And so, there's that. There's the expense of that. Then there's just the lack of skill on how to use one effectively. What's that? There's some technique that goes into that, you know. And so, you got a fairly steep learning curve there. I mean, you can pick it up, but you're only doing one fucking house. And then the, the prep work that goes into having to spray, you know what I mean? All the taping off, all the windows and shit, like, that ain't no fucking joke. So, like, you know, how much time and headache are you saving yourself? I thought about this, man. I really, like, I don't know how much time and effort you're saving, man. I really don't. Yeah. I think you're better off just turning into a meditation type thing and just putting on a podcast and painting away okay that's my theory anyways. that's your theory that's man theory. That's, that's that's what I'm telling myself so I'm not going insane I did want to do a fucking snag yesterday I didn't foresee this my goddamn I got an extension ladder I forget how tall it is <clears throat> pretty fucking tall not quite tall enough I can't quite get to the tallest part of my house oh and so I just I couldn't do that I'll have to Address that issue when I come back huh. after vacation here. Well, I got an extension lineup. Do you? The nurse. Yeah. How long? How big of an extension lineup you got? I don't know. We'll have to go look. Yeah. That's good. Yep. So I did. What the fuck did I need it for? Get on my roof of my house. Your last house was pretty tall. No, it's for this house. Oh, this house. The other house was easy because I had that little. Uh, there was that cover over the back porch, and it was pretty low, so I could just actually use like just a regular, just a frame. Oh, ladder and, get up, and there. Then jump, get up there and then get on the rest of the roof but uh cause yeah the, the the main house wasn't that big dude I'm so glad I don't have to clean out those fucking gutters anymore <laughs> Keelan and I were talking about that cause yeah there was that one side of that house that was two stories basically and so you know I'm having to clean out those gutters and I'm leaning over this edge of you know two story house <laughs> On a, on a fucking slant route, you know, I'm just it's like a sketchy thing. God man. damn, it was sketchy. It was nerve wracking, man. Like I would I would put it off for so long, so I didn't want to deal with it, and then get up there and have to. It was just nerve wracking, man. Dude, I was experiencing that yesterday because it was pretty windy here in the valley, and I had my ladder maxed out trying to get to the, you know as high as I could get. Yeah. And I once I realized because I had it maxed out and was doing one section. And I wasn't paying attention to how high it was. I was just focused on what was in front of me. And so I was painting this section until I had to move the ladder, climb down, <coughs> excuse me, move the ladder over. And then I looked up. I was like, motherfucker. I climb up there. I was like, oh, I can't reach anything else. Like, I, this is it. Yeah. And, uh, but it was windy as shit. And I was like, man, I can see how people get fucked up just doing house projects like this. Cause yeah. this is a little sketchy. And so it didn't bother me that much. But okay, cool. I can get a, get off this highest part of the ladder for, for today. <laughs> yeah. Because it was windy as fuck, dude. I'm way up there. That ladder's bouncing a little bit, you know, and I'm being super cautious of how I'm moving around. Yeah. Like, not leaning too far, like, just painting what I can paint and not, you know, not doing anything dumb and then climbing back down the ladder just one step at a time. Like, dude, I do not need to fuck myself up doing this. Dude. I'd be so pissed. 
Oh. Like getting hurt doing something I enjoy, one right. thing, but getting hurt painting my house. Oh, God damn it. I would have been so mad, dude. I just have visions of Clark Griswold on not one of <laughs> Christmas vacation. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Everything you're not supposed to do yeah. with the ladder. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the nightmare. Yep. But, uh, I had visions of that for sure. <laughs> That's why I was being so careful. Yeah. Well, cool. Anyways. All right. Well, painting. Painting. It's exciting. It is not exciting. No. But with the right mixture of THC and Kratom. That's right. Caffeine. It's fun. Yeah. To find that. You find that zone. Find the zone, man. Find the zone. So. Anyways. Good. All right. That's all I got. What kind of bro science you got? Um, or were you going to rant on social justice oh, warrior shit? man. Yeah, I don't know if I feel... So, yeah, I was just... I was telling you I went to a, uh, a That's right. mountain bike film festival last night in, here in, in Junction because we've got to race the, the off-road 50 or something. And so, um, went to support it because we had some local films going. And... Yeah, I was just, I was telling you, I was a little disappointed because, like, the social justice warriors are just taking over mountain biking, and it is... To, like, to what extent? What do you mean? Man, so the, um, so, I guess, like, the first thing, they had a movie, um, I don't know, man, I don't want to sound, like, super negative about it because, but it was, it was just interesting how it was presented, and when you watch it, it's like, oh, that's, that's interesting, because uh, they did, uh, Patagonia uh, did a documentary on, or a movie on the Hot Tomato. Uh, like Jen and Ann, um, mm-hmm. who are a lesbian couple who have a, a pretty well-known um, pizza joint here in Fruta. And so it's, um, so yeah, they did a video, a, a movie on it. And it's cool because I, mean, I love Jen and Ann, they're, they're great. But the slant of the movie, as you can guess, is... This lesbian couple moves to Western Colorado and opens a pizza joint, uh, this, you know, with some underlying tones of anti-gay stuff in the community, and you know they're able to uh, overcome that and you know establish a great uh, a great thing, which is just if you live in this community is a little insulting because that's just not the fucking real narrative, like. Because, I mean, the Hot Tomato at one point, when I moved here, they were still in their their location off of uh, Aspen Street, which is like the main street here in Fruta. And not even their new location. That was the original spot. That's right? the original spot. And they, they lost their lease on that spot for some reason. And I even asked them at the time, like, did it have something to do with you guys being a lesbian couple? And they are like, no, no, no. They just wanted, you know, it had nothing to do with that. They just wanted more money and we couldn't afford it. And so we're looking for a new space. And so uh, um, they were out of business for like almost a year. And then they decided to, the, the space that they're in now is an old laundromat. And so they bought it, but to renovate it, that had to do a lot. To, for all the chemicals and all the shit to get it cleared for, you know, food service. And so, like, they actually had a lot of fundraisers. Then the community came together and literally, man, like, this is a for-profit business. And the community is coming together and doing fundraisers to basically donate money to them to help them pay to get the Hot Tomato back up and running. Dude, none of this was talked about in the movie. None of it. 
It, like the the way that the how mo- couldn't they talk about that? The way that the movie was presented is that the hot tomato now was the first hot tomato. Like that's the only hot tomato that's ever existed. That 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 was what they opened originally, and that nothing about the help from the community, you know, coming together with the fundraising and all that stuff, the whole the save the tomato stuff that was going on. Um, you know, like I said, they they did say like you know they had support from the community, but not you know, uh, not the level that they actually did. And then of course you have to have your obligatory, well, you know, I got friends that say that they won't go into the tomato because of Jen and Ann's lifestyle. But you know, and I'm like, who, like, if you live in this fucking town, like everyone around here loves them. Like, like I don't know anyone either. It was like, it it was like, you know, they kind of had to fit this narrative into the movie and you know they had one of their employees being interviewed and he's like yeah i had some guys ask me where i work and i said the tomato and they're like isn't that where the gays <laughs> that one and you know and i had to tell them like you know yeah so what you know they're great people you should come in and have some pizza and then they try the pizza and they're like this is great pizza we like this place and i'm just like get the fuck out of here like this is insulting it was a little insulting, man. You know what I mean? Like living here and knowing the the real story and knowing the support that they had and knowing like how that undercurrent of anti-gay whatever is just, it just isn't here. Like, I, I don't know. Fishing for it. Yes. Fishing for a struggle. They were fishing for it. They had a narrative that they, the narrative was lesbian couple moves to small Western Colorado town and opens a pizza joint um, in the face of you know, some undercurrents of anti-gay sentiment. Like, that that was the narrative that Patagonia wanted to sell. And that was the narrative that the story, that the movie sold. And it was just, it was a little disappointing, you know, because the real story is even fucking better. You know, how the mountain biking community came together to support them. You know, I thought they were going to talk about how much work they've done. Like, dude, they, they do fundraisers and support so many causes in the community. They've done so much for helping to build trails and trail maintenance in the community. Man, they, like, their story is so much more awesome than lesbian couple moves to Fruita and opens a pizza joint. Like, that was so fucking narrow. And, and it, it just, it, it was disappointing, man. Their story is so much better. But because they had this social justice warrior narrative that Patagonia was trying to fill, you know. It's, it's weird to me that in this day and age, that they feel the need to focus on that. But they have to, man. Like, who gives a fuck? But they do. It's a thing. We've made it a thing. But that's, that's a, see, I don't understand why it's a thing. It just is, man. And then it didn't really, it didn't even stop with that. Like, I, so they, they showed some local films and then they were showing yeah, some non-local films. I had to get up and walk out at that point because they, really? they had a girl who was emceeing the thing and I guess she was kind of in charge of it and she's like, so we got three more films, and you know, when I was looking for them, it was really important to me to find mountain bike films that focused on women, because you know, there's just not a lot of mountain bike films that focus on women, and so I was really happy to find that two out of our three films, uh, you know, either are highly focus on or prominently feature women in the in the thing, and. I'm just like, why? Why didn't you just go find the best fucking mountain bike videos? Like, why did you have to approach this from a, I, I'm, I have a political message that I'm trying to deliver. Now let me find videos that help me deliver that message. You know, 
And she, and so one of the videos she was saying, and and you know this video is uh, it's about mountain biking is a gender neutral sport, meaning that there's no reason that a woman can't participate like a man can. Yet, you know, men's participation levels are so much higher than women's, and we're hoping to change that with films like this featuring women mountain bikers. And I'm just like, dude, I gotta get the fuck out of here. Like this is ridiculous, man. Like. Like, yeah, why why are you taking something that's such a fun uh, activity, hobby, outlet for people and putting a political stamp on it? Because you can, man. Why? Because people are just they they I don't I it it allows them to do it, man. And yeah, yeah, it's it was uncomfortable. Like, that so was frustrating. It was frustrating. And the thing was it was uncomfortable, right? Because yeah. you're sitting here in this audience of mainly men, right? And we're just like should we be here? Like you know, like what? Yeah, and like so, like the hot tomato one was a little uncomfortable too when they're talking about the gay stuff, and it's like, really? Like that's not us. Like this is a little uncomfortable being, you know, presented to the world in this light. And uh, yeah, yeah, like both. It was. I don't know. I don't know why, but the social justice warriors have fucking sunk their claws into mountain biking. Like I thought I was gonna go watch some rad, some badass, some mountain badass biking. mountain biking films. And it was like fucking yeah political agenda night. So yeah, that's dude, that's super agitating that they let that happen. Yeah, that's just supposed to be a fun activity or competition, however you would approach it. You know, if you're a professional competitive rider, or if you're just yeah. somebody who enjoys it, it's still just something fucking fun to do. Yeah. Why? Why? Why does it got to be political? Well, dude, yeah, I know. And she's like, you know, mountain biking is a gender neutral sport. Like, dude, I. Sh- I I had to walk out because I, I was like, man, I'm going to say something. Like, I almost screamed, you know, shout it out. Then why are you focused on films for women? Yeah. Okay, if, if it's supposed to be a gender neutral sport, like, this this doesn't make sense. You're talking about both sides of your mouth. If it's a gender neutral sport, why are you coming into this focused on finding mm-hmm. films about women? It's, yeah. you should, if it's a gender neutral sport, you should find the best mountain biking films that you possibly can and then show them. But you know what the problem is? Is it, no offense, but watching most ladies ride bikes is like watching the WNBA. It's just not as cool to watch. It's just not as fun to watch. When you've watched a dude smash a fucking, you know, downhill course, and you watch a girl come down it, and she is, like, fucking 30 seconds slower than the dude is, it's just not as it's not the make same first, thing. It doesn't make for as good You're watching still. dudes hitting fucking big jumps and doing tricks, and then you get, like, one chick who can hit a fucking decent-sized jump and do, like, a little bar table. You know, it's like, oh, we got to... You know, it gets a little old. It's like, man, you know, her bar is not as high. Like, this is, like, we should just be featuring great riders. Yeah, who cares who, who cares? who the rider is? Yeah, who the rider is. Who's doing the best shit. Right, exactly. But that's just, and what was funny too is like that whole idea. I've never heard that term, gender neutral sport. It's bullshit. Like, there's still men's and, men's and women's Well, divisions, the right? thing is, is like gender neutral. Like, if you're going to say, okay, what does gender neutral mean? Gender neutral means that that neither sex is favored based on their physical characteristics. Mm-hmm. So, But any physical activity is going to not be gender neutral. It's not going to be gender neutral. Like, I mean, I was thinking about it. I was talking to Kayla. Like, if I was going to say, I think jujitsu is probably the closest thing to a gender neutral sport. That physical, there is. A physical activity. Yeah, because like there's so many different ways to do it, right? Like that's one of the things like with, with uh, that there's, 
there's so many different ways to succeed with jujitsu. There's not one way. You know, if you're going to be a runner, like, man, there is a body type. There is a muscle fiber type. There is a metabolic type that you kind of have to come into the game with and then train from there. And if you don't, like, it's not going to work, right? And so that's why certain sports, like, like women's gymnastics, women's gymnastics is not a gender neutral sport. The women are doing things that the men can't. There are things that they're doing that favor the physiology of women, right? And so mountain biking is not a gender neutral sport. It is a sport that requires a high degree of upper body strength. It is a sport that requires a high degree of grip strength in a high degree of strength to weight ratio. All three of those things are things that men are much better at than women. Women do not have great upper body strength, strength to weight ratios, and grip strength. Like it's just compared to men, it's, it's the, the drop off is much higher with that than it is lower body. Like when you look at lower body strength and things like that, women measure up a little bit better. But you see this bigger drop off in these areas. So you have a sport that you know requires. A, a, a certain level of these things and the like that's not a gender neutral sport like that's why there aren't more women in mountain biking it's because mountain biking favors uh you know a physiology and, and body type and and, and and strengths that most women don't have and it's just not fun to compete in a sport that you're not made for like i don't want to go fucking be a sprinter i'm not made to be a sprinter i'm gonna have zero fun being a sprinter so that's why I didn't become a sprinter, right? And so that people tend to gravitate towards the sports that they're good at. And so like, that's the idea. Like this idea of a gender neutral sport is fucking ridiculous. So like every sport has, like I said, if you, if you really boil it down, I, I would argue that jujitsu is the closest thing to a gender neutral sport that we have. Cause dude, you wrestle with a girl and it's like, she'll can kick your fucking ass. Like legitimately kick your ass. Like what other sport, as a man, you know, is it the same thing? You know, it's it's like you'd have to get someone who is uh, better by you by multiple factors, man. It's like you're an average dude and she's a fucking world-class lady mm-hmm. in, in that other sport, right? Like running or, 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 you know, throwing shit or like, I don't know, I'm just, you know, football, right? Like right. everybody's trying to like, oh, you know, women, we need 50% of... Women playing fucking everything, and it's like, no, man, they there's, don't there's want a fucking to. difference. You know, I just came across an uh, an article the other day that was talking about that, you know, that specifically the difference between men and women, and and they even had a a, a woman track athlete talking about. It. She's like, yeah, there's, there's definitely that's why there's men's and women's divisions. Right. She's like, this this lady, it's I don't know if she set a world record in the 800 meter or something close. I mean, she was high level, Olympic level. 800 meter distance runner, right? Yeah. And she's like, it is not uncommon to see a uh, high school boy beat my time. Mm-hmm. A, a yep. high level high school boy yes. beat my time. Yep. A 16, 17 year old boy. Yeah, track, so, yeah, high level she, track or club. I mean, yeah, that's, that's yeah. she's like, it's not uncommon. She's like, yep. there's high school boys that beat my time on a regular basis. Yep. Dude, she, I ran into like, motherfuckers in high school. They ran like, they broke 150 in the she, 800. Like, she, she's like, that's just that's just the fact of life. Yeah. And she's like, that's why there's a difference. Yep. There is a difference, man. A difference. Physiologically, there is a difference. And that's, like, that is the, I know it's funny, man. Like, mountain biking, especially downhill mountain biking in particular, there's this, 
thing like why isn't there more women representation it's like man no offense like dude there's just there's a small handful of women on this planet that can fucking do that at, at even a decent level not not even really a level that makes it entertaining to watch just a level that doesn't make it embarrassing because you like the, the top woman couldn't crack the top 25 on the men's side and so it's just it's not like and it's because downhilling is the the pinnacle of that you know strength to weight ratio upper body strength grip strength endurance and so the the gap you know like when you get into like cross country and marathon like the longer the races are the smaller that gap gets but that gap is still there Mm -hmm. but man when you get to the sprints like the 800 is it's still like that's a middle distance it's still kind of a you know right on the edge of sprinting it's like yeah dude those that's where the differences are are the most stark and uh but yeah, man, mountain biking is just not made for most women, which is, you know, it's funny, like Kiele likes mountain biking and she's good at it, but she's not built like most women. Like she has, she's pretty athletic. She's, she's athletic and she's also, she's, she's got a strong upper body. Like she's got, you know, muscle in her upper body. So she has a much higher strength to weight ratio and much better upper body strength than your average woman does. And so, oh, well, not surprisingly, you know, mountain biking's fun for her and, and she does good at it um, without having to dumb it down. Like, that's the problem is that, you know, that's what we're seeing with mountain biking is the attempt to get more women into the sport is resulting in basically the sport getting watered down a lot. Like, a lot of the trails that are getting put in are quote-unquote flow trails and, you know, easy trails and it's just, they're trying to make the mount, mountain biking easier. Right, lower the bar for like, well, what is it to be a mountain biker? And so, uh, because it's like, man, if you keep that bar where it needs to be, not a lot of people can fucking cover it. But that's, anyways, it fucking irritates me, man. It is irritating. It irritates me when you try to socially engineer a sport. It's like, dude, just put it out there. And the people that want to do it are going to do it. And let them fucking have fun with it and take it to wherever and stop telling them that they're fucking up the whole sport. Because there's too many of them. That's why I get so fucking agitated, man, when you come across these interviews with uh, some transgender athlete and they say some ridiculous shit like there shouldn't be fucking men's and women's divisions and shit like that. Like, okay. Okay. Don't have fucking men's and women's divisions anymore. Just eliminate that across the board. See what the fuck happens. You're not going to like the result. That's anti-woman. It is. You're not going to like the result. No, it's not. It's it's not, it's not gonna fucking turn out well for anybody. For anybody, it's not. Yeah, it, that, that that's. It's so, dude. I hear that, man. And it's just, it's so like, it amazes me that any intelligent person could see that argument and be like, "Oh, I can see that." Well, you don't want to hurt people's feelings. You know that that's what it comes from. It's like fine. you know, to to tell them that they're different is you know gonna hurt their feelings and. We can't hurt their feelings. And it's like, dude, people, it comes back to what we're saying. Like, dude, you, we're going to treat you based on how you act. Right. And so if you're going to act different, you're going to get treated different. Yep. And, and, and that's just how it is. Like you can't act different and then expect us to treat you the, the same. It's just not, then, you know, that's no fucking sense. No, it makes no sense. And that's, you know, I think just as a fucking whole, as a society, like these transgender people, you know, they, they switched from a guy to be a girl, and they've been a guy their whole fucking life. They switched to being a woman, and they wanted to compete against women. We just need to put our foot down and be like, no, 
Right. When you made the choice to become a fucking woman, you were Bill, now you're fucking Billina, whatever the fuck it is. Guess what? You don't get to compete. Unless you want to compete against guys. Simple as that. Yeah. There's no bullshit. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's agitating to me. Like, there's yeah. no... Like, the whole world shouldn't change to accommodate that. You made the choice. There's... Con- every because choice... Yeah. Every choice we make in life, there's fucking consequences. That is just a consequence of your choice. Yeah. The world isn't going to change to fucking make your choices be... Make your life easier. You made the choice. Yeah. And, dude, it's so agitating to me today. Just trying to bend over backwards there. It's the tyranny yeah. of the minority, man. It's, it's, it's what it is. It's so frustrating to me, especially from a sports standpoint. I just like, man, there's so many good things about sports and athletics for everybody. And to be trying to fuck it up with nonsense or nonsense arguments like that just yeah ah. most people don't buy into it i hope not. they're just running that shit up the flagpole and see who salutes and the problem is is there's enough people saluting for them to keep fucking doing it or there's enough people saluting and there's i think it's that and i think it's more there's more more people are just afraid not to salute it yeah say something yes Yes, because you come across as being if you, if you're not for that that's the big problem that's is if you're problem. not for it then you must be anti transgender right. rights right. and it's like no I'm just you know pro fucking logic yep. but yeah that's not how it gets gets seen so anyways anyways all right enough of that shit need to be grumpy all right you ready for some bro science dude fuck yeah man I came across some good shit <laughs> so first thing I came across they were looking at caffeine. And simulated uh, jujitsu competitions and seeing if it increased performance. Okay. And so what they did is three milligrams of caffeine per kilogram of body weight. It was taken uh, um, before a simulated competition. And what is basically they did, uh, I forget how long the match was. It was like seven minutes or something. Then they had 20 minutes rest and then another seven minute match. And after the... Uh, they, they also did like some performance tests like, you know, vertical jump and, you know, max bench press power, some other things. And so um, what they found was that the caffeine helped increase performance for the first round. But by the second round, after the 20 minute rest, it wasn't doing anything. So, again, it's kind of like from the you know realms of well, duh, duh yeah. but, you know, hey, man, if you're taking that caffeine supplement or whatever thinking it's going to get you through your uh your training session the reality is after about 30 minutes or so it's not really doing anything so caffeine is a shorter term i think it's a it's very short yeah it's a short term kind of uh performance enhancing effect and so um i think that you you know just using it as a performance enhancer for jujitsu doesn't make much sense unless on a especially, bunch of different levels. Especially because you get so desensitized to it so quickly. Yeah. You, yep. you just get so accustomed to it. Now, you, and you, you really, if in my experience, you don't really notice the benefits from it anymore. You know, from drinking coffee. You just like the mm-hmm. taste of it. You like to drink coffee. But you don't really get the, the caffeine boost like you do if you don't drink coffee for two weeks. Yeah. And then you go back and drink it. Well, see, I'll bet they were probably taking like straight caffeine like pills. Mm-hmm. So, and that's a little different. That's different. Yeah, you know, like I can drink a cup of coffee and then have one of those stupid pre-workouts that got like guarna and green tea and all right. that other shit and just be like, wow, and it sucks. Um, you, but, uh, so, but anyways, yeah, just um, kind of ties into why we think Kratom's a better, way better, way better uh, pre-workout um, supplement than, uh, than caffeine. So, 
so yeah, that was the first one. Um, dude, one, I'm pretty sure. So you know they have, who's the guys in Florida? Is it American top team? Or, That's one of the big teams down in Florida. Or cyborgs down there. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like sport. Oh, yeah. Yeah, anyway, so there's a bunch of those guys. I forget, but... Um, there's a uh, man. They're doing some fucking studies on jujitsu coming out of there. Really coming out of like the Florida area. Yeah, was yeah. Was it at the college, University of Florida, doing or something? Or I, you know, I didn't see like what what because uh, doesn't have to be out of a university, right? And so, um, but one of the guys, you, do you remember J.C. Santana? No, dude, he's like an old school like bodyweight training guy. Uh, um, was into bands, anyways. Like fucking like fifteen plus years ago or whatever. Um, but he was one of the guys, I, I'm pretty sure conducting the study, like in on the study, but, uh, they were trying to establish a jujitsu anaerobic fitness test. Okay. And so the, the, the test consisted of doing butterfly lifts, you know, like doing the butterfly or like you lean back and, you know, lift the opponent with and the butterfly scoot, hook. Scoot. Yeah. Scoot in. Yep. The butterfly lifts. So five rounds doing one minute on 45 seconds rest. They were testing their lactate levels, their heart rate, and their RPE uh, during this, and and then they were uh, had simulated um, jujitsu competition, and and then tested the same thing, and they were looking for a correlation between this test and performance in the simulated jujitsu competition, and they actually found like a strong correlation. What they found was like, do the first four rounds, the fifth round had things just went off the rails. It was like too much. But they were saying like, through the first four rounds of that test they were doing, it correlated very strongly with their performance and, in, in, uh, um, uh, you know, metabolic performance in a simulated jujitsu competition. Hmm. So, I don't know. I just kind of thought that was interesting that people were out there trying to develop like, you know, tests. Because they have tests in other sports, you know? And like, hey, if you want to, like the champions, if you want to have, you know, be a champion, you can look at the average, like, you know, if you, if you want to be a champion sprinter, man, you know, like, okay, I'm probably going to have to be able to squat this. I'm probably going to have to be able to, you know, like there's, there's performance. Benchmarks. Yeah. There's some benchmarks that you know that you're probably going to have to hit if you want to have a chance of actually achieving that level of performance. And so, uh, you know, they don't really have that with jujitsu on any level. Like we don't have tests that we can point to and say, hey, okay, I'm going to test you on this and that's going to really give me a strong idea of of this as it relates to jiu-jitsu. And so anyway, so anyway, that, that this test apparently is Tended an attempt direction. to do that. Yeah. That's pretty so cool. I thought it was kind of cool, man. That's cool. I thought it was kind of cool. Uh, let's see, I came across one looking at the functional movement screen okay. in jiu-jitsu. And so uh, they had 33 players uh, they call them players, BJJ players. Um, and it was in, what was interesting here is that they divided them into guard players or pass players. Hmm. So did they like bottom being on their back? Yeah, game. bottom game or top game, guys. Uh, one of the interesting things, they found that um, top game guys, pass players, had significantly more injuries to the thorax than um, guard players did. And so like your thorax is like your fucking upper neck upper back area and so uh um i don't know why but it was like 24 percent to seven percent like it was significantly more uh guard players or pass players had an injury 
to that, that area. area. So um, half of everyone in the study had had an upper limb injury in the last year, and a quarter had had a lower limb injury. And upper body injuries made up 79% of all injuries in training. So if you got hurt during training, odds are it was an upper limb getting hurt, not a lower limb. Um, and uh, yeah, they said that poor FMF scores were observed and lower FMF scores had higher chance of injuries. So basically... Kind of well-dosed category again. Yeah, but uh, for people that don't know, the, the functional movement screen, it's uh, um, just that. It's a, a movement screen that looks at some basic movement patterns. And there's been a lot of studies done on this particular screen. And this one was done particular, you know, on BJJ players specifically. But it's used a lot in the NFL, Major League Baseball. I know the military uses it uh, to some degree. Um, but what they have found is that there is a high correlation between a poor score on that uh, screen and a potential chance for future injury. And so, uh, um, so yeah, if you haven't checked into it, you know, check it out. But it's definitely the the, the underlying thing there is if you don't move well off the mats, get ready to take time off because you're going to get hurt. That's just the fucking, there's no getting around it. So, um, yeah. And then uh, the last one, they looked at the injury rate during the 2009 Nogi World uh, IBJJF competition. And they found the average injury rate was is 25% per 1,000 athlete exposures. I don't know exactly what an athlete exposure is. A match. Yeah, I don't know if it was a match or like, yeah, so, but anyways, the funny thing was that there was a slightly higher chance of injury for brown and black belts than uh, blue and purple belts. So it was like, they, they said it was not considered statistically significant, but it was like, you know, low 30s, it was like 30% to 20%. That's how it came out to 25% was the average. But like if you were a brown and black belt, it was 30% chance of injury per 1,000 athlete exposures. If you were a lower belt, it was 20. I I can speculate. I would speculate that that is just from years of wear and tear. More miles on the body. Yeah, that's a a possibility. I was just thinking those motherfuckers are just trying to kill each other. I mean, if you're like brown belt or black belt... And uh, you're taking that competition seriously. So, fucking you're snap that arm bar yeah. on quick. So, yeah, that's probably true too, man. You're walking in there with a lot more wear and tear. It doesn't yeah. take as much to more miles ding you in the up. joints. Yeah. So, that would be my guess. Yeah. If I had to narrow it down to one specific thing. Yeah. I'd, that, and you're going against some killers. Just fucking killers, man. I've been doing it, but. Yeah, I thought that, that was interesting. I thought that was kind of because rolling's the fucking opposite. Like if we're training, we're just open mat like rolling. Well, I, I feel way safer. I get injured way less rolling with brown More and black belts people, yeah. than I do less experienced people. So it's just kind of funny at competition that was reversed a little bit. But uh, so there you go, man. That's my bro that's science, cool science, dude. So. Yeah. So that's good. You had a bunch of that shit because we didn't really have. We weren't coming in with a real set topic today. No, nothing too loosely. Big. We were talking talk about the Keenan interview on Flow. Yeah, yeah, and then a little bit about our jujitsu influences. Oh, that's right, the uh, jujitsu influences. Yeah, that Keenan interview was good. 
Yeah, I didn't get to see the whole interview. I just saw that one uh, part where he was talking about the the idea of the creante and the creanch, the creancher. Yeah, the bullshit basically. Yeah, yeah he, he didn't even focus much on that. He he touched on it. You know, for those who don't know, you know, he uh, Keenan was asked to leave Athos. And since then, he's just been traveling, training all different gyms, and mm-hmm. he's not going to side on a team. He's he decided to affiliate with BJJ Globe Trotters just for IBJJF purposes, and so he's just been a, a Ronin, you know, just a nomad. And he's been talking about the benefits of that. And you know, back in back in the old days, you, you would hear that term, the creanch, the trader, you know, going to another team and training. Yeah, and I think that's bullshit. I, th- I think that died quite a while ago. I, there might still be some people that feel like that. Yeah. You know, and, you know, because I probably fell into that category as being considered a creance. You know, all the different schools and teams and stuff I've trained with. Just yeah. you know, life circumstances. But, yeah, I agree with Keenan. I think it's bullshit. Yeah, I think, you know, what he was, uh, it's, um, yeah, there's times have changed. You know, at one point you could almost see people being like, you know, if you're if you're a jujitsu black belt back in the day when it was like, dude, they were, you know, few and far between. Few and far between. YouTube didn't exist. You could barely find a VHS tape. You know, I, I can see where people would be a little bit more like, look, man, you know, I'm I'm I've worked hard to attain this knowledge. This knowledge is not easily uh, um, you know, found, and so I do expect a certain amount of loyalty from you if I'm going to share this knowledge with you. You know that that argument I can see. I get it. I get that argument for sure. But the problem is, is, is that that's that's not the reality of what happens a lot of times. And and so one, like times have changed, right? Any any jujitsu black belt who acts like what he's teaching is proprietary and special and all that stuff is just, you know, it's not being realistic, man. There's, it's you can this stuff is not that hard to find. Now, obviously, having a coach and having a good coach show you how to do it is you know is a different thing. But um, this isn't like secret knowledge anymore. Mm. And the the thing too is a lot of times now it's used as an excuse for bad behavior. Yep. The the business owner is not being a good business owner. He's not. Yeah. They, you you'll see that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And 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 so, but that that'll become the excuse is like, well, you have to overlook what I'm doing because you owe me loyalty. And that was one of the things that Keenan was saying is like, look, man, you don't pay for loyalty. Like if you're, if you're paying membership dues, you know, like you're paying for service. Yeah. You're paying for a service. And you know, if, if they're not delivering that service and things are awkward and things just aren't, you know, working like, man, you are, you should, you should feel free to go and somewhere else. And anyone who's telling you that you're being a traitor is, you know, just, just not, it's just not accurate. You know, they're, they're looking at it in this old school way. And it's like, you just, what you end up doing is just defending and protecting bad behavior from coaches. And it's like, man, in a, in a capitalist society, you're, you're, uh, you, you, the, the market should be what motivates people to provide the best service possible, not the fact that you owe me loyalty and 
you know, I don't have to do anything to still earn it. Yeah, I don't have to hold up my end. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think you find this coming up with, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, gems that just are, you know, I, I don't know, you know, dude, people are going to have disagreements. Mm-hmm. You can have the best fight. Like, I, I'll guarantee you, like, I was thinking like, uh, um, you know, like Lance, Lance's gym in, in, uh, in, in uh, Maryland. Maryland. Yeah. It's a great gym, man. They got a great program. I guarantee you they've had people who they butted heads with Yeah, them. butted heads with somebody, just didn't like it and went and trained in another gym. Yeah. And like some sometimes you're just not gonna see eye to eye and, and you should feel free to do that, man. So but yeah, I think the the that idea of like you you have to be loyal to someone that you're paying money to and, and that they don't have to uh, reciprocate, you know, um, is just that that's just old school, it's just protecting the business owners and uh it's it's nonsense like you said it's kind of a retrograde way of thinking i think it, it holds the sport back and there ultimately was, there was another thing you talked about uh, along that same vein that i thought was pretty good too is uh like a lot of us aren't set up mentally or emotionally to handle the kind of power that comes with like owning a gym running a gym because you don't yeah. foresee it coming you open up a gym or run a gym because you love jiu-jitsu or you want to share the knowledge. And you don't think of yourself as being any different. But if people start looking up to you. You get all these new people coming in, these white belts, and like, oh, you're the black belt. And they look up to you. And it's a little bit of a little boost of fucking ego and a little boost of power. And then, you know, the gym just keeps growing. You get to some of these big gyms in these big cities. You know, they got four, five, six hundred members or whatever it is. And all these people looking to you, you know, people can get a little drunk with power and get yeah. a little controlling, you know, like, oh, don't want you to go train at somebody else's school or they don't want, they won't uh, roll with a student that might be able to beat them up in front of their students. You know, they don't want to kill that mystique. Yeah. And he was talking about how toxic that is. Like, that's no good. Yeah. He's like, you, you got to watch that. You can't. You can't let that happen. He was talking about two, how he liked, uh, you know, one characteristic uh, that he liked in, to see in gyms was the relationship between the coach and the students. And uh, he liked the gyms that, where there was really not much separation. There was, I mean, there was a coach and students, you know, and there was respect there, but the coaches were getting out there grinding with everybody. And if they got their ass whooped, they got their fucking ass whooped. You know, they get their ass whooped by some visitor that's really good. So be it. That's just what it is. You know, that's the beauty of jiu-jitsu. You're not always going to be the top of the heap. Yeah. And, and he was talking about running different egos in gyms because that's all he's been doing now is traveling. And, you know, when when you're a motherfucker like Kenny Cornelius and you walk into a gym to train, guess what? You're walking into a competition. Yeah. When, when you're that high a level, you know people are going to be coming at you hard at all levels, at all belts. And so he's just walking from competition, you know, driving and training, training, quote unquote, but at, at all these different gyms and it's just competition match after competition match. And he's like, you know, most of the egos that he's like, I've ran into were from some of the guys at the highest uh, part of the food chain really right now because they haven't had the ego beat out of them. Yeah. And, and he's like, I see that. He's like, I, he's like, I've rolled with so many, you know, world-class guys but they still take their ass whoopings and you don't run into that ego. But he's, he's like, you run into some of these guys that are really good that just keep winning and that ego just hasn't been smashed out of them yet. And he's like, it, it, it is a awkward standoffish kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. 
So that was another aspect, you know, another interesting uh, point of view from him traveling around and talking about it. Yeah, yeah, it is that that he's definitely getting a, an interesting perspective. And, um, and, and it's it's cool because it, he came from Lloyd Irvin, which was a pretty fucking tight knit group. Yeah, and then he went basically from Lloyd Irvin to Autos, which is again another. You know, I'm gonna say the word militant, but I don't mean it in a bad way. Very structured, disciplined. Yes. You know, some schools are really focused on the hierarchy within the school. You know, some schools are really big on that. You know, like the old school tradition of you know lower belts don't ask higher belts to roll and stuff like that. Some schools still operate like that. There's definite hierarchy to the ranks. Um, and he, so he, you know, Lloyd Irvin and Atos are both like that. Now he's just kind of free flowing, and he was talking. He was talking about how he. I don't know if he said it so much, but the message I got from it, like he likes that to not operate like that. Yeah. He likes to have more of an equal playing field. Yeah. So. No, I think I think that's uh, I agree with that. I, I think the I think that there's a happy medium because you can get a gym that's way too loose and a yeah. gym that's way too structured. Th- and for me, yeah. a, per- a perfect world is someplace in between. I think that there's, yeah, there's. There's a point where it becomes more of a club than a than a gym, you know. I, I think that that's uh, um, the kind of thing. Like if you get run too loose, right? Then it's it's not really a gym. There's it's zero not, it, hierarchy. It's not a business. It's almost like anarchy. Yeah. You know, and it's like that's that's more of just like a club. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all just kind of getting together to do jujitsu, but there's really no you know nobody's really in charge. You know, nobody's really holding anyone accountable for anything. It's just kind of, uh, well, you know, hope you guys do the right thing. But and uh, and then yeah, you got the other end of the scale, which we were both part of. You know, at the Gracie Baja uh, when I started, which was the polar opposites. Like everybody's got to wear the same uniform, got to have the same rash guard. You got to, you know, it's bow to the master at the, on at the end, and all you know, all these things is so rigid and structured. You, your lower belts can't ask higher belts to roll. Um, and that's like no fun. Like that's fucking stuffy. And, uh, so yeah, it's finding that middle ground is, it's tricky, but I think those are the gems that, um, you know, have it, have, are the best. I mean, so. Uh, There is one hierarchy thing I agree with is that no one below purple belt should get to touch the radio. I agree with that. Music, I think music selection in the gym. Well, purple belts and above. Yeah, purple belt privileges, man. <laughs> Until you get to purple belt, you have no privileges. You don't get to touch the fucking. Radio. No, no. Yeah, you got the white belt whoopings, you got the blue belt blues, and finally at purple belt, you get some privileges. A few. A few. You don't get to touch the heater yet. No. With air conditioner. That's right, Angela. <laughs> <laughs> you, you might have some say in music. <laughs> yeah. So no, I mean that's that's just like you know, uh, fun. I'm just, gym shit. Yeah, I'm just being a smartass. But. Nah, you know, just having things in to make there. But uh, no, I think that that's uh, that's all good points. I think that um, where you're training, you know, it's your partners and the coach. It's it's, it's such an important, intimate part of your life that. Um, yeah, find some place that, that works for you and you're comfortable. And, and, yeah, and that, and that was the message I took from it. You know, the, the game you like to play of what was said to what Rob heard. Right, yes. And so what Rob heard from from that interview, 
and the message I got that I really agree with is that your jujitsu is your jujitsu is your responsibility. Yeah. And your your path, and you have to choose your fucking path. It's nobody <laughs> yeah. else's. It, that's that's the way I've always treated my jujitsu. It, it is a hundred percent on me to put myself into a good training environment. And if a good training environment's not there, to create one uh, and to make my journey the, the best version in my eyes yeah. so I can get extract the most out of it. And that's, I think that's everybody's responsibility with their jiu-jitsu. Yeah. And like we've said before, you know, if everybody just worried about them fucking selves, it would, everybody, would everybody, everybody would get better. And I've always treated it like that. And I, I'm not saying like, dude, I've always valued having a good coach and a good program. Like, I, it's super important. Good training partners, very fucking important, and a good environment. But it's on you to cultivate that, and yeah. then once you find it, to fucking nurture it and take care of it and yeah. respect it for what it is. Yep. And yeah, it's that, that was the big message I got. Like, it, it is your fucking responsibility, man. It is. Yeah. It's because not. we none of us have to be there. None of us have to do it. No. It's a choice. It's a hobby. It's a life. You know, it's more than a hobby for a lot of us, but you know what I mean. Yeah. As you know, I don't have to do it to fucking put food in my mouth. It's something I choose, and it's yeah, it's my responsibility. Yeah. I think that's a big takeaway. That's that's. I mean, he didn't say those words. Weren't he didn't say those words verbatim, but that's kind of what he was. Yeah, you know, I think that's kind of the this lesson that he's going through right now is what he's kind of he's like. Oh, was he was really in these structured environments and these close knit groups like. The, Oh, we have the best training partners in the world. This is all we need. We don't need to step out of this. If someone doesn't wear the same patch on their gi, we don't need to go train with them because we have it here. Yeah. That's not always good. Yeah. I mean, for some people... Some people, it's great. They like it. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think that's the thing, man. It's like, hey, if that's not... People want to go do their thing. It's... Uh, yeah. Don't... Don't fault them for it. Mm-hmm. So, it's... Uh, you know, you just you're not gonna be. I mean, I saw that owning my own gym. I had a gym for six years, and you know, experienced that. I had people, a lot of people leave. You know, I mean, that's just the nature of the game, especially running a fitness facility. Like people are gonna come. Yeah, up. it's not like a jujitsu thing. People don't sign up for fitness for ten years. I, mean, I guess like maybe CrossFit or something. But that is kind of like a fucking that's fitness more, that's club. More, that's more of a tr- tribe type. Yeah, exactly, know? exactly. So, but you're more traditional, just kind of like working out thing. But um. Man, I was like the tough thing for me is people leave and you want to get defensive. You know, you want to be like, oh, no, it's, you know, it's them. You know, they just didn't get it. They didn't understand. But, you know, it, taking a step back, it's an opportunity for you to go, like, man, what what can I do better to foster a better environment? Because if you are going to take on that mantle, if you are going to open a gym and you are going to call yourself coach, like, man, there's a that's a heavy responsibility. And so, uh, you know, doing what you can to make sure that you're earning people's loyalty um, and creating that environment for your students is is important because, man, it's easy to take for granted and then it's fucking shit can fall apart quick. But... Uh, as with anything. As with anything. I've learned that lesson in my life. Yeah. Take something for granted, you don't fucking take care of it, shit falls apart, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Anyway, so yeah, I guess uh, it was a good interview and some good words of wisdom. But yeah, I'm interested to see what kind of where where he ends up and 
when I was with the old Adventures of Keenan. I bet I just from watching it, you know, and this thing unfolding. If I had to be a betting man, I would say I bet. I don't know if he'd open up his own school or not. If he's gonna still do his online thing, I could see him opening up his own school, like settling in somewhere and opening up a school. I can see that happen eventually. Yeah. Because he's kind of alluded to it a couple times. Yeah. You know, the, the, idea, the idea is rolling around in his head. That's the problem, man. Is like when you when you have an idea of how things should be done, uh, a lot of times the only way to make it real is to do it yourself. It's yourself yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, I can totally see that. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting. So, all right. That's yeah, all I got on that. That's all I got on that, too. Cool. I guess we can... Uh, you gotta go help some family members move. I do right? gotta go help some family members move here. Right. I can. Uh, I got like ten minutes here, but um. So we were talking about our jujitsu influences, and basically, oh, sorry, I keep forgetting about this. It's uh, cause I, I just I'm funny that way. I think about like you know I'm I see people I'm like oh man I model my game after certain people or I've had you know certain influences. So like if people ask me right now like oh you know what's your game? And I'm like well I'm like a mix of Craig Jones and Josh Hinger. Like, that's kind of how I see myself. Like, from the lower body down, if I'm on my back playing Z-Guard, getting leg shit going, you know, but if I get on top and get a hold of your head, like, that's kind of my two things at the moment. And it is. It's totally like, you know, when I watch Craig Jones and his shit, like, something just clicks. It's just the way that he moves and the, the moves that he does. And then the same thing with Hanger, which is funny to me because Hanger's like a wrestler, like a super aggressive wrestler type guy. And so I never would have imagined that like that type of, you know, personality would have, uh, that, you know, the game from someone with that type of personality would have appealed to me. It's like, you know, like I look a fucking cyborg, you know, I'm like uh, tornado guard. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, grabbing people's heads and fucking squeezing is, uh, there's something to it as our buddy Nate knows. Um, Dude, he tapped somebody out with the JT. Who'd he get? Shea? Dude, he even... <laughs> that motherfucker... Dude, he was wrestling with poor Shea. And he hits him with the JT watermelon squeeze. And before he taps him, like, he gets there, he starts squeezing poor Shea's head, and Shea's flapping around like a fucking fish. And he, he yells across the mat to me. He's like, Rob, this one's for you. And he starts fucking... <laughs> yeah. He starts squeezing poor Shea's head. Oh, oh man. God. But uh, and he let go, and Shay was all fucking distraught. Like, what was that? <laughs> like, never mind, man. See, Nate models his game after uh, JT, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we're not talking <laughs> JT totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, so yeah, and um, so but but I guess like the idea is like as you get going, you know, you, you start to get your your game figured out. And you kind of find people whose game meshes with yours, and mixes in there and some of the things they do so uh like another guy for me coming up early Rafael Lovato Jr. his um his uh like guard retention and escapes DVD was uh was really good and so like there's there's definitely a lot of things that I do with that that I still kind of model after some of the things that I learned from that but uh so so you said Craig Jones I said Craig Jones and Josh Hinger if I had to say pick two Two of my jiu-jitsu favorites got together and had a little jiu-jitsu baby. And that baby was me. I would say Marcelo Garcia and Wagner Rocha. Yes. I would have to. Yeah. I knew Wagner was in there. I knew Marcelo was in there. I didn't know if he had a third. 
but uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, there's definitely things. there's been like some other ones coming up, like just along the way, where you like, have there been some other guys that you've spent like some time, like you know, like I did with Raphael and his yeah, I mean, I, guard escape shit. Yeah, dude, I have plenty of instructionals and different things I've tried from different people. Yeah, I have the you know, I really went down the um, Lovato pressure passing DVD. I mean, That's right. He had a six DVD program. I, I like that, you know. So I definitely learned some things from that. You know, there's always there's always been little things here or there. Yeah. But yeah, I think if I just went down, if I narrowed it down to two, Marcelo, nice. Marcelo was my go-to, especially in the, my early days of jiu-jitsu, man. Yeah. Like, he was the fucking man. Yeah. In my eyes, so. Yeah, I can see that. You always get into the back. Always, always going to the back. Arm, dude, his his fucking arm drag, for like he would hit for you know butterfly guard at the back to the arm drag to that inside trip at the outside trip, his takedowns. Still, still to the day, like I do the shit out of those fucking moves. Yeah, that's you know definitely Marcelo influenced, but good one to model yourself after. But uh, yeah, it's it's funny because it's not it really is a matter of like who kind of grooves in there. It's not a matter of like picking someone and being like I'm gonna model myself after them because maybe shit just doesn't fit in there. But uh, yeah, I can totally see you being the bastard child of Marcelo and Wagner. Exactly. <laughs> Man, I've been fucking people up with that float pass, man. I tell you, it's funny. You were pretty skeptical, like when I first was talking about it. But that's that's because I wasn't talking about it good, you know, because yeah. it's new to me. Yeah. And I've only I really started watching that instruction a lot since I've been laid up from the surgery. So I haven't even got to take it to the lab a lot and fuck with it. And so I had this, you know, it looked really good, and I could see it presenting itself. But I've gotten better at trying to teach it to people. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you were pretty skeptical at first. You were like, "Fuck this!" Well, I yeah. could sense, I could see it in your eyes. You're like, "This is stupid." Man, that one move, the one fucking pass that that uh, the double knee slice, the double knee slice, and even just like not even like the double knee slice, just catching that fucking your your foot behind their knee and sitting on them like that's become like Kiele Bane. I it's I've passed her guard probably a dozen times with that move. Uh, since I started working on it and I mean she's gonna figure out how to stop it but it is man once you get in that float pass position and you get a little position from there and start smashing down it's uh, but even just trying to get there like that's the thing I've found is like even on like the big guys even if I can't force them all the way over to the float pass you know, yeah you don't have to force them over to the side yeah man me just putting that picking up their knee and putting the pressure of trying to come that way totally changes how they're able to move and react so it's uh see and that's i and wagner talks a lot about that in his instruction he shows a lot of moves he i mean you ultimately usually end up taking it to one side or the other but the initial foundation of it is just in that center position yeah and that's kind of where he plays his like knee slice too like he plays he moves his knee slice kind of right to the middle to where you'd almost be smashing somebody's nuts you put the knee on the stomach yeah. And that's where he plays a lot of his knee slice from. So that's where you see the flow pass came from, is from more of that middle position. Mm. And create, you know, create a situation to where they decide which way. You have tools to go to either side, and you make them react. And then that, that reaction allows you to choose which side to go to. Yeah. So basically your opponent is choosing what side you pass their guard to. Yeah. And that's kind of his thought process. Yeah. I, yeah. I know I wasn't conveying that good at first, because right. it was more just a technique, but... No, it was a good one, man. I needed something because I was getting stalled out from just... I had a couple passes, but I wasn't, you know, incorporating, like, a good change of direction 
um, pass in with that. And so I've found it's, it's opened stuff up for me because now it's like if I can't get, you know, one of my, my you know, go-to passes trying to just smash coming in one way, it's like, oh, time for some fucking float pass action. And, uh, and yeah, it starts opening the stuff up. So, yeah, it's a uh, fucking, I'm glad you, you, you and Wagner are, uh, or, yeah, whatever. Spirit animals. Spirit animals, man, exactly. Like one, one punch man. That's right. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So, um, there you go, man. All right. Cool. I think that's a good place to call it a wrap. That's all I got, yeah. I got a bunch of shit to do before yeah. my fucking venture across the country tomorrow. I'm sure my family's blowing my phone up. I was supposed to have been there eight minutes ago. All right, cool. But Let's get the fuck out of here. Then. It's okay. Cool. Right on, brother. We'll have a good trip, and we'll uh, we'll talk about your trip on the next podcast. Sounds good. Okay, buddy. Cool. See you. See you. Thank you for listening to the Grumpy Guy BJJ Podcast. Thank you all for listening. You can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Please make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. It really does help and will allow us to keep putting out episodes. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas, hit us up at grumpyguybjj at gmail.com. Also, go to our website, grumpyguybjj.com, and get signed up for podcast updates and get our free BJJ Improvement Starter Kit. That's it for now, so get on the mat, train hard, and talk to you all next week. Your time's too, no clue, but soon a brief suit Might give you a few to choose Stay tuned, include, won't conclude Till the end is near, beware there's consequences But what you do, to me demon The devil of many levels, I keep on feeding For several of them rebels, me, myself, he died